Hello and welcome to The Earth Wants You. This is Killian uh, from Dublin. As some of you who follow the choir may know, Reverend Billy and Savitri D are in Australia at the moment. Along with 11 other choir members, they're performing at the Adelaide Arts Festival and performing various actions. So this week I was preparing for us to do a highlights show, play some of the best bits from some of our previous shows. When I went to my email and I found an interesting piece of mail a digital piece of mail and there was an audio clip uh, attached to the mail and I thought I'd just play it so I'm, I'm just going to play it now and let's hear what it says. Welcome this is the earth wants you I'm Reverend Billy with Savitri D here this is the production of the church of stop shopping and we greet you today from Adelaide Australia on the southern coast of the great Australian continent what? That's the other side of the world from New York City. Yeah, it is. It took forever to get here. And believe me, my arms are tired from all that flying. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an old joke. That's your dad's but joke. Yeah, the, the, uh, speaking of flying and having sore arms, migrating over here, we have uh, 11 singers now from the, from the Stop Shopping Choir that have arrived. That's right. Interestingly, you cannot enter Australia by boat. You can only come into Australia, the nation, by jet. But as the climate change conscience tells us, when this place is flooded, we'll leave by boat. That's right. You can't, you can't come in on a boat, but we're all going to leave on a boat. And this, of course... Australia, uh, being here, we can't help but remember the, the, the wildfires, the amazing floods of Queensland. Well, it's flooding in Queensland now. There are fires in Tasmania. And here in Adelaide, we are in the midst of a humongous drought. Uh, I believe there was 51 consecutive days without rain. Any, any rain of any kind. Amazing. And about two years. It's a two-year drought so far. Um, we experienced it. We went out into the outback for, uh, to an area called Kurong for four days leading up to this, uh, this, this arts festival, uh, the Adelaide Fringe Festival. And the Kurong is a, a significant wildlife uh, sanctuary, really, for birds who migrate from as far away as Siberia. Uh, for a small plant that lives in the flats of the Kurong, which is at the end of a big river basin. Uh, and the birds evidently used to blacken the skies. They were so thick here. And they don't now. Sadly, no so longer. There's a, there's a big change in the, um, the silent spring is beginning to happen here. But we were, we were uh, walking across the white mud of, the, of those, of those uh, tidal flats for miles and miles and miles, just um, even even with so much of the bird life gone, there's it's still, still a lot very of beautiful wildlife here, and and the bees and the insects seem quite active, and and there are animals on the sides of the roads, and uh, it's a, an intensely wild place, Australia. Even though it's cultivated, and even though humans have, of course, taken over most of it, one still has the feeling of the temporariness of humanity here. Uh, we're not quite as entrenched as we are like on the European continent or the Asian continent or in North America. We met this morning with uh, officials from the city of Adelaide. 
Wow, who talk amazing. to us about what they have done here. Super progressive. I mean, like they're the the all the city buildings, government buildings here will be um, 100% renewable in a matter of months, and they're pushing for totally renewable by what did she say, 2030? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're introducing electric cars very swiftly here. Um, they have really taken a lot of steps to create an oasis, not just for humans here, but also for wildlife. So we were impressed by, by this is a, um, a forward-thinking city, Adelaide, mm-hmm. in uh, a country that isn't always that way, mm-hmm. especially on the national level. It mm-hmm. seems to me it's like the United States that way because the United States also has, has local governments that are much more progressive. How couldn't you be more rec- <laughs> progressive than the federal government in the United States? I don't, I don't see how you could. But... Uh, we have in Adelaide, at the same time as the arts festival that we're a part of, and performing with uh, Penny Arcade and Pussy Riot, uh, uh, very, very compassionate, political, powerful people. Uh, there is right next to the Fringe Festival the what's an equivalent of the Daytona 500 or the Indianapolis race. It's mm-hmm. it's called the Adelaide Super Loop right, 500. It's the the Super Loop. It's the biggest sort of car event in the in Australia ever, and it happens every year. And there used to be manufacturing in this area, automobile manufacturing, and so car culture is very strong here. Um, so and it starts tomorrow. It starts tomorrow, and we're told there'll be the sound of insects. Zoom, 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 zoom. For a <laughs> all few day days, long, all day long. Days. So we hope to intervene on that site. <laughs> yes, Watch in some out. way, we're still we're still investigating, kind of sniffing around the edges of mm-hmm. of this racetrack that is placed in the middle of the city of mm-hmm. Adelaide. Mm-hmm. They use the city streets, mm-hmm. um, so we are in the middle of a historic drought, and in the middle of the historic drought, you've got a celebration of gir- gas burning on a major scale. Mm-hmm. Um, that contradiction is uh, something that we'll we'll have to sing and preach about when we open our show tomorrow night. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but you know, this is the contradiction that we all live in writ large. I mean, we're all extremely compromised in this way. We flew here. We're compromised. Um, we flew here. Still, at a time when uh, little coffee shops are putting out jars to collect money for farmers because they can't buy bales for their uh, animals. We experienced that. From drought. In Kingston, um, Australia. It does seem a bit Uh, extreme to have this car race in the midst of that kind of crisis. Now, what we say is not car culture agriculture but then of course i have mixed feelings about agriculture too some of the agriculture here is definitely you can't monsanto informed uh industrial agricultural toxins but and you know there are farmers who love the super loop so the agriculture is not you know opposed to the super loop race in 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 no but we thought it would be wonderful to ask the winners of the prize to donate their money to the farmer's fund. Yes, let's have an apology tour. Yeah. Let's go into the outback, the yeah. parched outback, with the uh, young men who are winning hundreds of thousands. And of meanwhile, on the, the home front, of course, amazing uh, things going on in the United States as ever. The reality show called uh, The USA continues unabated. Michael Cohen. Let us not even mention any <laughs> of that because it's... Uh, too obvious. Too obvious, too upsetting too surreal um 
but we'd like to bring in uh, a, a, a special guest now. A nature report. A from, nature report from Lena Talon. Is Lena Nightstar Talon here, please? Here Come she into comes. the studio. Here she comes. Amen. Now, I'm going to interview Lena about oh, nature. All right. Okay. Lena, tell us about your experience in the Kurong. What did you see and what was it like there? We were in the car and we were going over the speed limit in this totally like place where there were so many animals and you could see, you could hear it and it was like... Um, what did it sound like? It was afternoon. There were birds, but the birds calmed down when it was nighttime. So we were in the afternoon or the evening, and then we got deeper in, and there were and we saw. Then we stopped, if I remember correctly. We saw two kangaroos. Somewhere kangaroos. Two two kangaroos. Now, have you ever seen a kangaroo before? No, I haven't. I'm from New York, so this is very rare for me. <laughs> what what did the what was your main impression of the kangaroo? What did it feel like? What did it look like and feel like? Yeah. So what it felt like was it was sort of like a deer. The deer was, um, the kangaroo was sort of like a deer. It, it stopped, looked at you, and then it twitched, and it moved down maybe with its neck and its body. Its tail you could see, but usually when it was standing up, which it was doing to us, couldn't see it because it was helping it balance. Mm -hmm. Did you see the kangaroo jump at all? We saw a baby kangaroo later on. This was about 20 minutes that so we just made eye contact fully with this kangaroo. Then a few little, at the end, a little kangaroo got lost uh -huh. in between the road and the two bushes. Mm -hmm. We were deep in the, we weren't deep in the bush, but we were in the bush, definitely in the bush, I could say that. There were two gardens around us, but the gardens were like grass, mm -hmm. dried out grass. Mm -hmm. And there was a little bit of not dried out grass that they were munching on or something like that. And so this little baby kangaroo was jumping, jumping, mm -hmm. trying to find its parents. But they were doing, a s they were looking at us mm -hmm. and they didn't want to move. And they, they kept like, they didn't know what to do. They were frozen. They were frozen, yeah. And so, mm -hmm. they, and so they moved a little. This was 20 minutes. We, mm -hmm. I made full eye contact with a kangaroo, which I'm pretty psyched about. So what about the um, when we walked along the water? Remember the long walk we took along the waterfront? What, what did you notice? Did you notice anything unusual or different from the United States? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we noticed that underneath the regular sand, there was magnetic sand maybe or burned sand was all black. Like there was we black sand underneath the white sand. Yeah, me and my friend Reggie, who was staying with us, we were trying to get out all the mud and then put it in the water, and we could see it beautifully go out like a flower blooming. Mm -hmm. And what about the feathers? D do you remember the beds of feathers we saw? Oh, yeah, so there are these big white things. We were trying to figure out what they were. I think it's some kind of mix of some kind of bird feather it's usually white bird feathers because they're different animals like seagulls and stuff like that mm -hmm. there and so we saw those but we also saw it wasn't only those there was right. definitely something else right and what about the eggs we found did we find some eggs yeah we found emo eggs which is a kind of bird sort of like um 
You saw an emu, right? The, yeah, the one that saw, looks like an ostrich. Yeah, we were. It looks like an ostrich. Its eggs are pretty big. Um, they're like about as big as if you put your hand out and you squeeze it, then you mm-hmm. can see that. Right, like a man's hand could yeah. hold it. Yeah, a man's hand could definitely put the whole hand. I think it. your dad wants to ask you a question. What about the white pelicans? Did you see some white pelicans? We also saw some really white pelicans that were at a lake that we were swimming in, and they flew over our heads, and they were so beautiful. Their beaks were big, and they were yellow. And But when I looked over and I was deeper in, I could see that there were lots of pelicans. Like, there was a whole big ground of pelicans. It was amazing. Amen. The, this place, this continent has all these animals and plants that we don't have anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. It's evolved its own life. And we appreciate the feeling of being in a new place. Mm-hmm. Makes us appreciate evolution. Yeah, so we were looking, compared to the United States, I would say to that, to that, to seeing pelican and kangaroos, I would say it's very different, especially to New York. I mean, there are definitely cities in New York. There is a city in New York, and that's like the main part of New York. New York is a city, but New York City is a city, of course. But upstate New York is like that, but it's not really like that. But where I was um, in the bush, we were at a place called McGrath Flat. And I was a bit scared when we went in, but started to be a beautiful place and I got used to it and I realized that it's not scary it's not bad and it's not definitely not regrettable to be in a dirty old place that you learn lessons that's definitely true (laughs) a dirty old a dirty old lake can teach you lessons thank you Lena Talon for being on our show here today thanks Lena what a great report Nature through the eyes of babes. And now... She's a kid. She says she's a kid. She's not a babe. We stand corrected. That's right. So, uh, listeners, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, We're going to play some highlights from previous shows for you. Uh, Here we are in Australia. We'll send some updates. Uh, This weekend we're going to paddle out to the, 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 the whale calving grounds in the Great Australian Bight, which is unbelievably threatened with drilling. A little bit like, deep, it's, it's a deep water horizon kind of situation here, yeah. except the water is much more treacherous than the Gulf of Mexico. Well, it's more it's, treacherous and it's also undeveloped. It's, it's not industrialized. It's huge waves. It's, it's a it's, marine reserve. It's a famous yeah. one. It's and like perhaps the... Blue whales... Right yeah. whales. The southern right whale calves here, and the blue whales uh, come through. and They have no business uh, corrupting local governments right. and, and, and securing permission for this, for this drilling operation. So we're going to paddle um, out with some folks from all over the area and uh, sing, sing to them on the, on the beaches and bless them. And we're looking forward to it. We'll, we'll let you know how it goes, and, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be with you again next week. Uh, still in Australia, but perhaps our show will be slightly more developed as we find <laughs> our Alleluia. footing here as on another learn how continent. To, to be portable, as we learn how to make shows on the road. Amen, everyone. And back to you, Killian, in Dublin. Bye.
Well, there you have it. The Earth Wants You has gone portable. We are now recording from Australia and this message being given to you from Dublin and we're sending this show back to the United States, back to New York City and to Taos, New Mexico and Fairbanks, Alaska and to all the other places where this radio show goes out. But for the rest of the show, we're going to play some highlights from our previous episodes. We hope you enjoy it and we'll be back again next week with an update from Adelaide. Once Voyager 2 exits the heliosphere, it will become the second human-made object after Voyager 1 to enter interstellar space. Let's all go hang out in the heliopause. Let's take a pause in the heliopause. That's the name of my new nightclub. Oh my gosh. A lot well, going out there on planet Earth. You you sustained a kind of uh, almost giddy delivery that time, uh, I and, and it was some dark stuff. Was it? Uh, it was the end of the world. It was it was the it was the stuff that inspired that song. The stop shopping uh, choir sings. Know, alarming so always to note the connection between this kind of news and the political situation we find ourselves in in Brazil. Uh, we know. Uh, a right-wing government is uh, about to take their seat, and uh, this does not bode well for those forests, which are so critical uh, to our climate, but also to countless species, known and unknown. It can't uh, be the nation-state anymore. If the, if the nation-state, Mexico being the one brilliant exception, but all these strongman governments... They won't respond to climate change. They're tough guys. They're macho. Yeah, well, those yeah. things are connected. I mean, this is this is the course of capitalism, right? It cannot run its course without being protected by strongmen. And they're all paid right? for by fossil fuel. And this is the threat to the earth now. So, well, not just now, for hundreds of years now. So we do stand at a juncture, and we really do have to get real in a different way. And that's probably why I'm giddy, because I'm slightly hysterical. As well, we all might be, if we really imagined with our incredible human skills, you know, what is coming and what we need to do. Change our lives. That's easier said than done. Um, it is a, a real pleasure now to switch gears and talk to some people who change their lives. Yeah. yeah. Change their lives and, 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 and have been so working doing really are changing hard, us right? too. So uh, today's guests, Francisca Benitez and Briar Winters. Uh, welcome. Welcome Hi. to The Earth Wants <laughs> You. you. Uh, Francisca is an artist. She's also a member of the Stop Shopping Choir. Full disclosure. Yeah. And yes. uh, Briar works with the uh, National Mobilization Against Sweatshops, um, which is a workers group. Um, and, and her specialty is uh, around displacement and housing. Um, they are both deeply involved in this long-running movement in Chinatown, uh, which is, involves a rezone, uh, but more, more specifically has uh, defended the tenants of 8385 Bowery, who uh, are the known in New York as the 8385 Bowery Tenants Association. And, they, and we'll get into what they achieved in the last couple of years. Um, but all to say that in Chinatown, they are resisting a, a giant rezone um, and uh, trying really to save what, what many of us see as the last s sort of working class and uh, thriving neighborhood uh, actually, in Manhattan. Actually, can we clarify that? Um, 
Actually, what we're trying to do is um, put forward a community-led rezoning that has been happening. So yeah. actually, the, the problem is that we don't have any protection. Right, right, right. Uh, right now, the, the zoning resolution allows for a lot of skyscrapers. And, but also, it's more nuanced than that. There are some areas that um, have some protection um, that is not so overt, like, for example, the two bridges area. Um, but we need a more effective protection like this village has, for example. Right, so this um, sort of came to be uh, because the, the East Village was able to pass their community plan. The East Village, we know, has a lot of powerful people in government, um, and they were able to protect their zoning. Um, in New York City, we have this sort of complicated relationship to real estate. It's a lot like Texas's relationship to oil. <laughs> it's not so complicated. <laughs> so this it's is the source of all corruption. Called corruption, yes. <laughs> um, but Chinatown, just to... Go, go back a little bit, if you could just describe, because a lot of our listeners are not in New York, so what we mean when we say Chinatown, because I think people have a m m more narrow view of it than we might. I would say Chinatown and the Lower East Side. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, I feel like those two neighborhoods, uh, a lot of what's happening right now is that the city government is trying to divide neighborhoods along racial lines. And um, they're doing that in order to push their ideas through. Um, basically, their ideas are to allow developers to have free reign in these neighborhoods. And so what we're trying to do is to unite these different parts of our neighborhood in order to build strength to resist what's happening. How does dividing uh, the races from each other, putting them in formal areas, how does that make them weaker in defending themselves against the big real estate? I mean, at the end of the day, um, these are all neighborhoods full of working people, and these neighborhoods are all over New York City. I mean, there's, you know, there's the same type of resistance that we are undertaking right now going on in the Bronx, in Queens, um, in Brooklyn. There's, it's happening everywhere, mm -hmm. and so it's very important for us to see across uh, traditional lines that may have been drawn probably not even by those communities themselves. You know, a lot of it's done by the city in order to divide. You're listening to The Earth Wants You with Savitri D and Reverend Billy. Check us out wherever podcasts are available. So we've been um, involved with a, a number of community plans in New York City. And um, what we found interesting about that um, over the last 20 years is, is how uh, few seats the community has at the table. What you see is that property owners essentially are the stakeholders. And the community is never given a stake in the game. So are you seeing that in the Chinatown Lower East Side fight? Or have you been able to get to the table with politicians? I think we're absolutely feeling that. Um, I, I would not say that we've had a lot of support uh, for our community-led rezoning plan, um, both from the community board as well as from our local politicians, and so we've had to resort uh, to other tactics. What are some of those tactics? Well, for instance, to bring the 83-85 Bowery tenants um, into the conversation a little bit, um, they were paddling a landlord who was disputing their rent-stabilized status. He purchased the building and basically asserted that their apartments were no longer protected by the rent laws, and um, they weren't able to get much support from our local elected officials, and so they started to organize. And I think that has been such an important lesson for what we're doing in a on a larger scale in the neighborhood is that we have to come together 
and to see who really is making this happen, what's really behind it. Mm-hmm. So one of the tactics they use in New York, right, is to have a construction project, right, and use that as a way to get people out of the building. Did they actually, remo- they removed the tenants from 83, 85, right? Yeah, they got evicted in January. That was pretty brutal because it was already dark. It was super cold. There were little babies, really old people, and they were all evicted brutally without notice. Um, they've been fighting at that, at that point, the landlord, in court for two years. And then on January 18, was it? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that night they took them out, they, went, they took them first to a school, and then to a shelter really far out in Brooklyn. So, um, after Shades that, they the did... immigration um, Yeah, scene. so after that, so... What was like particularly hurtful was that there is no law enforcement for all the bad stuff that the landlord was doing. Mm-hmm. The landlord had plenty of violations that should have been taken care of. Or there's no way to um, to enforce that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But when it comes time to evict the people, wow, everything just works like with extreme like uh, efficiency. efficiency you know in a day they had like they had the fire department the the, the department of buildings, department of buildings the police even the somebody from the council woman was there mm. like, all of a sudden this efficiency to throw them out in two hours mm. so uh after that the tenants uh, intensify their fight and they did two hunger strikes one in front of hpd and one in city hall um, and those on the sidewalk in front of these exactly. government buildings. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and those hunger strikes, uh, there was a lot of support from many community groups uh, that helped to make it happen, from the street medics that you need there uh, to all the logistic support to do that. Who, who are the residents of that building? Who, who, who are they? Um, they're mostly Chinese immigrants, working class people who work in the neighborhood. And... They, many of them live in intergenerational households um, in the building as well, so they represent the whole uh, gamut of the community there, and it really galvanized people citywide mm-hmm. to watch this mm-hmm. happening. At the same time as, uh, as the racism of Trump's immigration policies is always in the news, it's just all through our communities in New York, everybody talking about it uh, because we have children uh, in shelters throughout the five boroughs, and so forth and so on. Uh, so this was happening at the same time. Literally in January, mm-hmm. uh, there were we had street fights. January 11th, we had a street fight right near mm-hmm. um, Chinatown, across from the federal building. Uh, so was there was there a uh, double conversation going on, uh, the national and the local, as it were? Absolutely. We're really trying to help people make that connection um, because a lot of people think, oh, this is New York. Everything is fine. Like we're protected from all that here. But it really is coming down from the highest levels of our city government with these policies that that 45 is a New York realtor, isn't he? And, and one of exactly. those, um, uh, uh, one of the reasons we, the, the, the work that they were doing from that building is so courageous is because we know how hard it is for people in the immigrant community to step out like that. We know how vulnerable they are. We know, and that's, some of it's cultural, but some of it's just truly actually really vulnerable. Yeah. So I was also really, um, when I went to those actions and protests, like I was really moved by how many languages were being used. Can you talk a little bit about the mix of language in that community? So in our Chinatown working group uh, meetings, uh, there's always translation going on. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, you have to work on it. It's slower and it's more difficult, but it's wonderful when you can really all get together and, and, and do something like so this. So there's another kind of music you know, mm -hmm. uh, in the uh, trans translation of anger, of strategy, of compassion, of the... In fact, I remember uh, when, when the, uh, the Lower East Side Rezone was introduced, one of the, the big problems was that they didn't have a Chinese interpreter at the initial meeting. I remember there was an uproar about that, as there well should have been. I mean, that's a, a very obvious An indicator, thing. I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the lack of care or where that line had been drawn. Like, we care up to this point and we don't care beyond this point. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way to exclude people from the process, mm -hmm. which is a lot of the intention, I think, mm -hmm. you know. And it's the same with uh, with what we're going through now with um, the hearing that we have coming up. Um, you know, they've scheduled it. This is about a proposal to put up some towers on the waterfront. Um, the, the towers are actually illegal, and the city is pushing them through anyway. So the, re um, the hearing that we're uh, talking about this coming Wednesday, October 17th, is at 10 a.m., which is not at a time when most working, working people, people can, can attend. Yeah, so. yeah. this is classic New York tactic here, mm -hmm. development cores. Um, talk to us a little bit about that meeting. What, what is the hope for that meeting? What will the, the positive outcome, what could it be? So basically the developers are asking for a minor modification to modify the LSRD, large scale development uh, area. residential area. Um, so basically our point is, why should you give them an amendment? There is, this is completely out of character. It's going to take all the, the sunlight and air, and it's actually on a flood zone A. They want to put a 90-story building in a... I mean, we should be doing absorbent parks now, not, uh, not yes. putting skyscrapers on a flood on, a, on, a, on these areas. So basically, uh, what we need to do is go to this hearing or write to the city planning commission and tell them, no, don't give this amendment. We don't need this. Uh, I, I want to also point out that this national trend of construction, uh, I was looking at some data the other day, and in 2017, 81% of the new construction is for the high end. Mm -hmm. in, in, this is in the, the Northeastern region mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. So this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Why are we building 80, 81%? I think it's to put rich people in glass uh, houses above us. I mean, and and then they look at us, and I think that we are culture, or we're charming in some way, or <laughs> we're uh, artists, maybe, or you know, they want to watch us from a dist from a safe place, mm -hmm. and then they can uh, buy little YouTubes of us and for mm -hmm. carrying around. Yeah, so wow. uh, that's basically, and that's why we need everyone to uh, write to the city planning commission. Uh, you can send a letter actually to 120 Broadway. New York, New York, 10271. 120 Broadway. Uh -huh. I think one thing that's really important to note about the work that we're doing right now is everything is uh, is operating on the basis that um, these towers are actually illegal. And I think that's so important to note. We have uh, been working with a lawyer. Um, we have grounds for a lawsuit. Um, and so when we speak to people out in the community, they think we can't stop this. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you talk to them and they say, oh, we can't do anything. There's nothing we can do, there's nothing. Um, there's a group called LESON, which stands for Lower East Side Organized Neighbors um, that's been formed over the last couple of years. And they've been working with an environmental lawyer um, to assert that essentially um, anything that gets put up in this LSRD 
uh, cannot have, according to the law, an adverse impact on environmental issues like light, air, um, sewage in particular. Um, there's a huge issue around the Newtown Creek uh, sewage area and how our systems are already completely overloaded. We would be adding something like 45 to 4,700 units, um, residents, you know, to this area, and that would absolutely have an environmental impact. So our lawsuit asserts that there's no way that something like this is legal, given those mm -hmm. impacts. And I would hope that in, in this environmental impact, they would soon have the sophistication to include uh, the IPCC report, which came out yesterday. The the, this area you're talking about is two and a half feet above sea level. So crucial. Uh, and so it was all crucial. underwater with Hurricane Sandy. Exactly. We've already had it demonstrated by Mother Nature for us. Exactly. So what do you have when you have uh, skyscrapers? You have what you had in um, the Coney Island projects. You have elderly people stuck on the 40th floor with no way to get down. And they run out of food and they run out of their medicine and so forth. So. But also I would just say that in any fight against, any, you know, we, we don't necessarily know the outcome. The outcome might not be what you think it is. We lost, obviously, that fight for the community plan in Williamsburg, but we did get some concessions. And, um, of course, now we can see. Now we have this vivid example of what it looks like. We know. We can point over there and say, look what happened in Williamsburg. And we can say there was no plan for the train. There was no environmental impact statement. And look at the, those buildings and see how people are cut off from the water. And so now we have these examples, and I think that's very helpful um, as well. We have had some successes. I mean, Coney Island was a success. The, there the was fight no for plan the for the eight eighty three thousand um, twenty eight year old millionaires who walk by you like a ghost with white wi wires in their ears <laughs> that's right. and their funny little skinny pants. Excuse me, and their strange haircuts. But what? But what? What can we do right now to support the 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 efforts? on this project. You I interrupted know, you. Coney Island was a success. Because I think it's important I hope. you know t for people in New York to know that they can they can I think a lot of people have woken up late to this obviously, right? But now they can and they can help. And those uh, those hearings are great. It's great to have as many people there as possible, but what else there are other things? Also, if you want to get involved uh, um, with the Chinatown working group, we meet uh, once a month, the first Monday of the month uh, in Cherry Street, mm -hmm. uh, 275 Cherry. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can go to our website, chinatowngroup.com, or one word. I'm sorry, chinatownworkinggroup.com. Yeah. yeah, and also I would encourage you, because I'm, I'm sure that some of your listeners are from far afield, but get involved in these efforts where you are, too. If you're not here, um, you know, join together with your neighbors and figure out what's happening um, and organize. And you can also donate. Uh, we're having a, a fundraiser for our legal funds mm -hmm. as well, um, which you can find more information uh, at www.lesson, that's L-E-S-O-N dash N-Y-C dot O-R-G. And we'll have all this information at revbilly.com. Am I right? We'll, You're right. We'll post, if you can just organize all yes. this on a half a page, yes. we'll put it all at revbilly.com. And I'd just like to say that, um, you know, thank you for your work. And also, uh, it, it's inspiring to see, like, a, such a diverse body of people come together and, like, see the opposite example of divide and conquer, to see what not not divided, not conquered looks like. 
um, really moving and, and inspiring in those hunger strikes and all the work. But also just to say that everywhere, you know, workers are being displaced. This is happening in the tiniest towns. It's happening in places like Idaho. It's happening in New York City. It's happening in the Deep South. Um, and, it's, and it's happening all over the world. So uh, we need to address the problem in our government and also in our own communities. Now, we would like to, when we have our Joe's Pub shows this fall, from mm-hmm. Thanksgiving to Christmas... Sunday afternoons at 2 p.m., plug a we, uh, we would like to have a group of saints from this amazing activism that you have shown us. And they'll get up on stage and we'll sing the gratitude song to them. Amen. And then we will, uh, after the show, we'll get in a bus and go to a hot point that you think where we need to have a crowd and a, some singing and some shouting and some big signs. And we'll take the whole audience to that place. Amen? Is it a deal? Oh, Let's yeah. do it. Yes. All right, okay. Amen. Francisca, do you want to set up this amazing song you brought with oh, you today? Yes, this is a beautiful song called Celinda. Uh, it was given to me by Margarita Caripan, my Mapudungun teacher uh, in the Mapuche community in Chile. Oh, my God. 
Selinda, a Mapuche song from Chile. Uh, thanks again to our guests, Briar Winters and Francisca Benitez. You're listening to The Earth Wants You with Savitri D and Reverend Billy. Check us out wherever podcasts are available. And now, the drums of revolution. Welcome to Activist News. This week's drums of revolution are the Nagara and Tata drums from Rajasthan. You may be feeling that this was a tough couple of weeks after finding out the climate disaster is just around the corner, there's predators in the highest court of the land and despots are doddering their way into the Brazilian government. You might feel like this is an excellent moment for you to despair and wring your hands and cry out to the skies, oh my gosh, what can we do? Well have no fear as Activist News is right here at hand to answer that call. And the answer is simple, protest. First things first, as our wonderful guests have pointed out, show up to the hearing on October 17th at 1.20 Broadway, 10am, Stop Those Towers. The Chinatown Working Group meet every month on the first Monday at 6.30pm on 225 Cherry Street. Find out more info on chinaworkinggroup.com. I've checked out their website. It's a very nice website to look at. If you can't lend a hand with your body and presence, then please don't hesitate to donate to their legal funds, gofundme.com forward slash L-E-S-O-N, if you feel so inclined, which you should, and stop the destruction of the Lower East Side. On Thursday, October 11th at 5pm in Foley Square, ICE out of the courts, there has been a 1,200 increase in courthouse arrests since 2016 when a certain someone got into the White House. This is an attack on immigrants' lives, livelihoods and access to equal justice in a town that was built by, forged by and jam-packed full of immigrants of all shapes and sizes. Stop ICE, abolish ICE. Yes, there's a Facebook event if you're that kind of person, but here's an idea. Why not write it down on a scrap of paper and stick it on your fridge? It just might work. For the week that's in it, from IPCC reports to Kavanaugh being inducted, I'll leave you with the sounds of the thousands of protesters, mostly women, who slammed against the walls of the Supreme Court this week, demanding that Kavanaugh go. You'll hear the words of Amy Schumer, who got herself arrested, and then Reverend Billy reading the words of David Buckle, who self-immolated himself at the start of the summer to try jolt the world into action over climate disaster, which, as is drastically becoming clearer and clearer, is just around the corner. 
A vote for Kavanaugh is a vote saying women don't matter. Let's stay together. Let's fight. Let's keep showing up. So what started as a trickle of civil disobedience there in the steps of the Supreme Court has become this, just outright anger and upset that Brett Kavanaugh is being uh, not only confirmed today, but is being sworn in right now. What they are chanting is we believe survivors for the most part. I'll let you listen to a little of that right now. Pollution ravages our planet, oozing inhabitability via air, soil, water, and weather. Most humans on the planet now breathe air made unhealthy by fossil fuels, and many die early deaths as a result. My early death by fossil fuel reflects what we are doing to ourselves. And David... Um, immolated uh, himself with fossil fuel. Francisca asked me to mention that <clears throat> a screening, uh, the Iron Triangle at the Stewart Park Library, Thursday, October 11th from 630 to 9. Uh, come on and learn about a fight up in Queens at Willits Point. Um, yeah, another amazing, another amazing New York City fight. Uh, Such a special place, yeah. uh, oh, Willits Point. Yeah, amazing, uh, amazing. Bloomberg was the first, I believe, uh, to proposed that this ecosystem of living, uh, this amazing uh, collection of recycling uh, metal and everything, uh, uh, um, a working uh, a working class yeah. humanity that was just a, a, a classic gorgeous. New York place yeah. 
the the recycling of of just every conceivable thing that yeah. the city that the city offers up mm-hmm. and and uh, doesn't want anymore. Yeah, it's funny. I it's, see it uh, as some sort of analog <laughs> to um, or some kind of internal version or some inv- inversion of Canal Street. It's like it's like Canal Street upside down. It's uh-huh. like uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. It's, oh man a very special place it New just York. was it was considered blight yeah and and thousands of people making their living there and it was just considered by the Forget by the it. upper middle class city planners it was just considered yeah another you know, place near water for people to live because Forget it was it. greasy because there was like jangled metal everywhere oh. because there were there were uh 50 foot high piles of plastic mm. you know and everybody mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. all these different mm-hmm. languages and people people uh, uh whole whole communities and restaurants and just just everybody's everybody's life lived there was uh discounted by policy capital p policy so so hey people you know our listeners we're we're asking you to consider in the in the light of what's happening right now in the world and in in your local community uh, what will you do to to uh be different in your community. Yeah, intervene. How will you get people to communicate with each other mm-hmm. in a different way? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, pull pull the iPhones out of people's ears. Yes. You know, con- confront people. Yes. Uh, the, the I mean, the fastest way to turn your back on capitalism, we always say, is to look into the eyes of another human being. There's no media as sophisticated and wonderful and wondrous as talking and listening. And when you've, when you've got an and education... And we're glad you're listening right now. Hey! Thanks for listening, listeners. There's a tie-in right there. Yeah, this there's is The segue. Earth Wants You in New York City. And... Uh, we're on your podcast. We're on your radio. Hello. Come, Hello, come, Telluride. Hello, Taos. Hello, Alaska. Fairbanks, Alaska. <laughs> Hello to all of you. Here we are in, in lovely downtown Brooklyn. We've had some wonderful uh, killing. We've had some wonderful urban sounds here invading our soundproof studio. And now it's time for Extinction's Got Talent. And today uh, we go to Bernie Krause, uh, who you know is the master acoustician of the earth. The biophonist. Yes, and a friend of ours. And he uh, has been recording this creek over the last um, 20 years or so. But I think this particular recording starts in 2004. This short example pertains to the California drought and shows over an 11-year period its impact on the biophony in this area, about 50 miles north of San Francisco at Sugarloaf State Park. Uh, In the spring of 2015, because of the drought, we experienced what was virtually a silent spring with effectively no birdsong for the first time in living memory. Even at what would have normally been the height of the season in mid-April, what is most remarkable and peculiar is that nobody in this area has yet commented on the stunning lack of birdsong, now in its fourth year, even though the drought has ended. The sound clip is comprised of four 15-second examples, one minute total. It powerfully illustrates how the issues of climate change and drought have progressed in one location over the course of just 11 years. The first segment was recorded in 2004, the second in 2009, again in 2014, and the last in 2015. Uh, and this is the work, again, of Dr. Bernie Krause of Wild Sanctuary.
the dying of life at a stream in California. We have to connect that to directly to our own actions. We have to walk into a corporation and demand that the information about the earth be flowing into those cubicles. We have to go into public places. It can't be these little narrow little uh, 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 holding tanks of the First Amendment that cities now arrange for us, calling little protest areas. Oh, you can go over there and and shout what you're going to shout, but you can't use a bullhorn. And if you hand out a piece of paper with information on it, we have to see it first, said the New York Police Department. That kind of that kind of narrowing of of telling the truth about the earth and about about justice uh, that that needs to be reversed, and we just have to go to the police and we say, "What are you doing for the earth? What are you doing for your kids? What are you doing for life? And how are you keeping the families in that building over there in their homes?" And we just have to look in them in the eyes and say, "Now's the time. Now's the time for you to be activists for humanity, for your community. Everybody has to change. Yes. Nobody, regardless of the suit you're wearing." What you've got in your hair, what white wires of you know your favorite band you've got in your ears, whatever your costume is, however much money you've got in your hedge fund account, right now you are you are an activist. We are all activists. We are all activists. Can't be a binary anymore. Can't be Republicans and Democrats. It's got to be life saving life. And if we are life saving life, then we believe. We believe that life will save us. The earth is a living being. That's what the earth culture has always said. All 17,000 tribes around the world, they've all said the same thing. The great spirit observes, feels us, knows us. We're, we're guests here in this ecosystem. And when we are living life to survive, to live in harmony, to have love together, life will recognize that. And the earth will start healing. The earth will start healing. And heal us. Change, hallelujah. Earth, hallelujah. Thank you, Rev. Thank you. Uh, Please, listeners, contact us. Get in touch. Tell us things. And we are grateful today to Killian Sunderman, our producer, and the Brooklyn Commons for hosting us here. This is The Earth Wants You. I'm Savitri D. Reverend Billy. Have a good week.